Hi, I'm Michael Miller, and this is Speaking of Meditation. Today's guest, Roz Barr. I'm really excited for you to hear this pod with Roz. She's director of the eponymous Roz Barr Architects and has most recently been acclaimed for her work on St. Augustine's Church in London, for which she won a Royal Institute of British Architects Award. In the Reba Journal, her work was described like this. Subtle restoration, combined with beautiful and accomplished detailing and the addition of exquisitely crafted sacred elements, has transformed a mediocre building into a place with a transcendental quality, expressed through the human effort of making simple things very special. Roz has been meditating for more than a decade. In our conversation, we go into the reasons she learned, how her family and history in Scotland led her to her work and to meditation, and how her practice feeds her creativity. Enjoy. Roz, when was the last time you meditated? This morning, around nine o'clock. And how was it? It was good. What does good mean? Um, it was peaceful. Um, and went, went in a flash, which is to me usually is good sign. And yes, yeah, just my way of starting the day, which is the most beautiful thing I think one, one can do. It's exciting when you start the day meditating. Feels mm-hmm. good. Nice. Let's let's go way back. Who who are you and what do you do? <laughs> Why am I talking to Roz Barr today? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> who am you're, I? you're an architect. And yes, that's right. I talked in the intro a bit about the, the kudos you received. But let's go back. When you were 20. Yeah. Is this what you were doing? Is this what you're studying? Would you have thought or would your friends have thought this is where you would be today? 20? No, I was at art school when I was 20 and I had more of an interest in fine art than um, architecture wasn't, was not even in the mix. I was really interested in architecture and design and um I took a rather long road into it, but through art school, I just wanted to go to art school. (laughs) And um, I grew up in Scotland, as you probably can tell from my accent. Um, And I was the youngest child and my parents, um, they didn't really, you know, I had always been very artistic, music, Art. I was always making things. I was always making stuff as a kid. Quite a vivid imagination. I was also quite interested in doing studying music. Um, I played the flute, sort of classical music or history. History. I was completely fascinated by. So, and I was academic. So I had choices, but I wanted to go to art school, and that's what I did. I went to Glasgow. And I guess I was hanging out with people doing things that were interior design, 3D design, architects as well. Um, And I started to think, actually, I 
I'm more drawn towards design. And so I switched into interior design because in Scotland you had to have physics to study architecture, maths and physics. And I had maths, but not physics. And it just was one of those kind of miss, missed pieces of information that I was never given that, you know, well, you could go to England and study architecture, but it just didn't happen. And I actually think having this more sort of seeking out myself a road is actually been a very good thing. And straight from Glasgow, I went to Manchester, didn't stop for a break and did a master's in design and was taught by this amazing man who was an architect in the architecture school. And it was then that I started to think, actually, this is what I want to do. So I went to Hong Kong for a year. This was in the 90s, worked for architects. But previously, the summer before, I'd won scholarship, travel scholarships when I was at art school, worked for an architect, an amazing architect in Vancouver. And so I was always in this world, but I, my interests were in art and, and making. And, uh, and I think that's why I didn't feel the need to, I have got to do this. I've got to do this. It happened naturally. It's mm, great. I'm, I'm interested in a few terms you use there that I'm not sure I would, or I don't understand how you differentiate them. Art versus design versus architecture, and then being a maker, which I've heard use that term before. What, what are those for you? When I say art, I guess I'm talking fine art, painting, sculpture, textiles, ceramic, pottery. Um, it is very, I mean, but fine art is what I, I use a lot as reference in my work, actually. I like working with artists. I like working with other makers. And then uh, design, I guess we think of design as a, it has an end product in some way, doesn't it? Something that has, is a, in many ways, is a commodity. But it, it's, um, you have a brief and you're, you're responding to a brief. And um, so you have interior design, um, although interior design, interior architecture is kind of one thing. But I, with design, I think of things like graphics, industrial design, uh, product design. And then architecture is a sort of broader term where you really are working in the built environment. So there's, it's, you know, you have engineering, um, you're dealing with cities, you're dealing with context on a human scale. And I think that's the fascination that I, I really discovered and still is something that I'm, it's placemaking. And, you know, it's, it's quite a wonderful thing. Did you feel growing up as a youngest child that you had a place? In the family or? Hmm. Or, a, or a built space or a physical space that was yours. I find that interesting that you're a placemaker. Is that, how's that related to, to that family unit? Yes, it did. I mean, I had a very, um, my brother and I had the most amazing relationship and we both had phenomenal imaginations and very lucky that parents that allowed 
that to be developed. So we were always making, you know, in our house, we had a whole summer, you know, dedicated to pretending we were Luke Skywalker. And, you know, and we would have, you know, imaginary spaces, you know, we would create these kind of dens and the whole summer, these places in that house and became transformed into something else. You know, we built an igloo in the garden, I remember. And, you know, we we just had this brilliant time. And I, I, I actually, I do think, I, I used to, we, we grew up in the countryside, but I always imagined I'd be living in a city. I used to, <laughs> I don't know why, I can remember thinking as a girl, I used to, in my room, I used to imagine I would be in New York or somewhere, you know, in a city. And I guess I've, I've achieved that. Yeah, I mean, place, place is very important. Um, you know, going back to Scotland, that's a very, uh, it's somewhere very important to me. But yes, I haven't thought of that before, actually, Michael. And in this idyllic childhood, the way it sounds to me, at some point you came to meditation. We're going to get into the, the moment that that occurred. But do you think there was, there's a lot of people don't ever consider meditation or if it comes across their radar, it's not for them. Not very many people learn. You did. Can you trace something back again to that childhood time? Was it Luke Skywalker and the force? Was, was it someone specific? Was it just an openness to the environment that you grew up in that meditation was a possibility for you? I mean, I, I learned to meditate 10 years ago, so I was quite late, I guess, in coming to it. Yeah, I'm not sure. Why do you think you're open to experiences like meditation in your life? Yeah, I think it's because I, um, I've had trauma. And um, I mean, that very special person, my brother was killed when I actually went to art school. So I had this enormous wrench this bomb was kind of exploded into my in my life and um yeah it's it was something very painful and um it's taken me a long time to actually even just talk about it just now really um so i think maybe i'm not a religious person but there's a sort of spiritual side, I would say, to the way I think because of one's personal experience. And I felt um, a connection to something else that is very uh, deep inside of me, I guess you could say. And I was also became very sensitive. I was always very sensitive. I've always been very sensitive and um, of understanding what's going on in the world, you know, human feelings. So I, I think in a way I, I've, I'm open to, I did a lot of searching, a lot of, you know, growing up after that, you know, as you do in your, from being 18 to all of a sudden seeing, you know, your parents are just blown apart. Your family unit is just destroyed. And um, 
and that pain and um, that I experienced and saw and um, I think put me on a path to, yeah, I don't know, finding more centered, finding more uh, connected with maybe how I feel inside. So I think maybe in that sense, you know, I've done all sorts of therapy and suffered from depression and meditation has been something that has totally connected with me completely and so maybe that's yeah something that's certainly i'm very aware of now and it it um feels good and 10 years ago when you learned what was going on in your life that was the the impetus for learning in that moment a broken heart <laughs> <laughs> Men, a man. <laughs> I apologize for all of us. <laughs> I mean, where do we start? Uh, no, I, um, my best friend, she's kind of my sister, really, that girl. But my best friend had learned to meditate a year and a half before, I think. And she was saying to me, we shared a personal trainer and we'd be kickboxing in the park with this guy at seven in the morning. And in between like jogging around the park, she's like, you know, I learned to meditate. I think you should do it. I think you'd really benefit from it. And I'm like, go away. I do not need another thing. <laughs> and um, she's like, no, no, no. I think you'd really, really enjoy it. You should go to one of the intro talks. And I was like, I'm not... I'm not doing another thing. I'm I'm just not interested. And then months went on and we'd be sitting in some cafe and I'd be crying my eyes out because of this man who was breaking my heart slowly. And she, and she would say, here's the leaflet, just do it. And I'd be like, go away. You don't understand. You don't understand. And uh, I had just set up my practice. So it was a big transition I was going through. You know, I just, I just jacked in sort of a very, very good job. I was very successful, the associate director of a very well-known architect's practice. And I'd had this real sense of wanting to do my own thing. Again, something inside saying, come on, let's just do it. Now's the time to do it. But I had such a fear, very great fear of, you know, what if it goes wrong or am I good enough and blah, blah, blah. Um, but I had just taken the leap. And so a lot of change going on in my life. And so I, I she nags a lot, this friend of mine. And she does. In the best of ways. In the best of ways. And so I found myself in the summer going to your intro talk in Palace Gardens listening and thinking yeah that will make sense and Gillian saying as I was putting my shoes on you know what do you think and I said well it was great thanks very much and she said well you know you should strike while the iron's hot and I said yeah went home put the leaflet on the counter and didn't do anything about it just thought oh yeah 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 another thing I'll get around to doing and then a few months later, not that long, actually, I think the intro talk was maybe the July. And then at the end of September, I just woke up one day and I thought, I'm going to do that thing. And that was it. 
that was it. I think subconsciously, how much meditation has, I, mean, I don't know, do we say it's helped us? But of course it has. But it's really seen me through some very challenging times in the last 10 years. Am I better equipped? Or is it just I'm more in tune with that inner person? I think more in tune. As you walked in to learn on that first day, mm. what was what was the hope? Do you know what? I, I don't think I I had any expectation. I was curious. I I actually had no idea. As you may well remember, I've told you this story before. <laughs> you gave me the instructions and then I was like, I left and I was like, okay, I've got to come back tomorrow. And I came back the next day and you said, so how was your meditation? And I was like, oh, was I supposed to meditate? I thought that's what I was coming here to do. Yeah, it really saw me through. So yeah, I didn't have... I don't think I had any great expectation. It was more a sort of curiosity to see where it led. And when you say it saw you through, what what does that mean? Oh, through the know, heartbreak or through the heartbreak that carried on for quite a while, but but stopped not long after that. Many challenges I've had, sadness I've had, you know, miscarriage. Um, my mother dying of cancer. Um, yeah, it's been, you know, we all, life throws some big things at us. And uh, now I, at certain moments, meditation is, it just calms everything down. It centers you in such a, an extraordinary way. Um, and I think over time I've, I know I have this enormous, ex extraordinary gift, you know, that I've learned from you both without being blasé about it, thinking, well, I can deal with anything. You know, I can deal with this pandemic because I've got meditation. No, but the pandemic's been, you know, so challenging and meditation has been so bumpy because, you know, the, the things that I've gone through, of course, it's been very painful, but um, this is a great, a great gift to have that you can um, just feel better equipped, I think, to deal with what's coming at you. I'm interested in what meditation has done for your creative process. And it's, it's interesting because I've maybe said this to you before that I've taught more women architects than I have male accountants. <laughs> and right. there are a lot more male accountants in the world than there are women architects. But there, you know, that it's a very particular thing, the creativity and the demands and all of that. Talk about how meditation has impacted that, particularly the pure creation aspect. I don't think architects are unique. Um, but we run, you know, we're working in business. So you're dealing with it's so layered as a profession because you are a designer, you're a creator, but you're also a specifier and things have to stand up and they have to breathe and they have to, um, you know, keep the weather out. And, you know, so you're challenged by 
so many different facets that to make a project come together. Then you have to deal with clients and teams. So you're you're basically running a, a, a large group of people. Um, stress levels can be very high because you have a lot of demands on oneself. Throw into that running a business as I do, a practice, and I teach. So, you know, there's there's a lot of things going on. From a creative side, uh, so my brain is quite noisy. And I think that's probably the easiest way to describe it. And meditating first thing in the morning and, and um, you know, finding time later in the day to do a second meditation. Second meditation has always been very hard. But what I do find is that once I meditate, I may go into meditation thinking, <gasps> got X, Y, and Z, X, Y, and Z, da, da, da. But then everything quietens down. So it means that your brain, or my, for me anyway, it expands. You know, you there is more space for these thoughts to come into one's head. And I think for me, creativity is about intuition. You know, when you draw it comes from the self. And I try and, you know, teach students this because, you know, everyone's on computer these days, everyone thinks, you know, but to draw, that is coming from inside. And that's an intuitive act, an intuitive mark. And you're not the best ideas, the best thing, you know, you don't, they don't, you don't think about it. It just comes to you and with meditation I often find it's not like I go into meditation and think okay what is this what is this project going to be you know I don't use it in that way but because my brain is cleared of thought I'm not forcing anything there is space for things to bubble up and space for ideas to kind of uh, you know, to solve things or to think about ideas that I know feel right. And it's often, you know, I it's given me this wonderful kind of place that I go to in meditation. And it just means that things are not forced. And it's and so from a creative set, a creative person, it sort of expands that space for you to to think it just feels so good <laughs> and it seems to resonate very well because of intuition you know trusting one's oneself and making ideas or coming up with with thoughts for projects or it sort of it goes hand in hand it feels very balanced in that sense mm. one of the projects you're best known for is this amazing church that you worked on. Can can you talk about that? And uh, interesting that you describe yourself as not religious, and yet it was doing this church that won you one of the biggest awards of your career and got you a lot of attention. Talk about how meditation and maybe what you were saying, spirituality, influenced your ability to shape that space. Yes, I mean... The, I mean, St. Augustine's is, uh, I worked on for about seven years. My client, Father Gianni, 
who also is an artist. He studied at Slade. He was interested, he went through a sort of selection process and he was interested in, in my work and, and, um, and also was very keen to work with someone who was not a Catholic and had not been brought up in the Catholic faith because he was interested in my response to not just St. Augustine's, but the Catholic faith and the sort of ritual around that. And I think that's very interesting. I, I've de I designed a couple of churches in competition that we haven't, we didn't win, but we, you know, it's something about creating this sacred place that I find really interesting because it's a public room, a church really is a public space. And for many, it's an extension of their self because, and, and certainly for St. Augustine's, you know, the people, the congregation that go there, it's phenomenal. It's diverse, multicultural, inner city London, all ages. So you're, you know, from birth to death. So ev all of that is celebrated within this one space. And I find that interesting. So I, I think through designing um, and working with Johnny, it was a very special journey. And also we had a huge interest in art and religion, um, sacred and beauty. So there was lots of layers to how we worked through and how I worked through the design. How does that affect, how does that meet with meditation? I, I, I don't think I, if I'd been a non-meditator, I don't think I, it would have changed how I dealt with that project in any way. But my interest in, in creating this, um, this place to transcend, because that's really what they're doing. <laughs> they're, they're doing it in a different way to us, but it is a place to, to transcend. And so I, my inner connection with that, I felt quite powerfully within working on that project, especially on the church building itself. So it kind of brought together quite a lot of many different interests um, to create this quite sort of balanced and pure space. It's a place, an optimistic space, I used to talk about, where you can sort of free, let go of your what you leave behind when you enter the church is maybe something similar to what we're doing when we meditate, you know, you kind of leave behind what you're dealing with at that time and you close your eyes and for them, they pray. And, you know, so there are many connections, I think. Mm, that's lovely. No, I, I think for me, there are extraordinary spaces or places leaving the religion to one side but this practice of of uh, one's kind of ritual or one's practice to transcend a very similar a, a very similar and i think you know churches or cathedrals are kind of spaces in your mind anyway because they're these very tall volumes so you with you know some of the greatest churches you know if you think of hawksmoor or many others you know it's about light and space so there's a real balance you know the kind of purity of that space it's very very powerful i find it fascinating it seems to me that your ability to step beyond to transcend the self 
on a regular basis, systematically, mm-hmm. must influence in some way your ability to express the desire to transcend the individual self in the context of religion. When I think about ancient cathedrals, it was an expression of that person's devotion and love for God made manifest. And there's something when I look at St. Augustine's, there is transcendence in that space. Mm. Mm. Most definitely. And balance, you know, there's a, yeah. And, and with that, again, pure intuition of thought, you know, I didn't, I have ideas. It's like when I did the competition for the V&A fashion galleries that we won, it's the first thought, the first thought is very powerful and, you, and I go with it. And it's usually, you know, my staff or people say to me, where did, where did that come from? And I'm like, I don't know, but that's what we're doing. <laughs> that's, that's what we're doing. And it feels right and it feels good. And that connection is, is very powerful for me. You know, it's like when I have a delicious meditation, as you would say, it's extraordinary, you know, and that sort of connection with your inner self, with that sort of inner psyche is very, that voice is very clear and very powerful. And you know then that the pace and the world opens up to you in a very different way. What else, when you think about meditation and your life and in your work, comes to mind that is particularly interesting to you or that you would want to impart to someone else? I think it is just really kind of being in tune with yourself. I, I, you know, I thought when we, you know, I go to group meditation and people ask questions and why do I feel like this and la 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 and when I, you know, meditate I could never close my eyes for 20 minutes yep I used to think the same thing maybe if someone had said that to me 20 years ago but I think it's just we live such busy stressful and I'm not just talking about middle class white person you know oh I'm running a business and la 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 you know the world has extraordinary things to carry individuals have much bigger stresses and worries than than many of us do but to to have this moment to just be at one with yourself is is such an important thing to do you know we have one life and if you if you can just make that connection it just makes of course we all you know doesn't make us kind of immune to loss or depression or stress levels doesn't make you a millionaire doesn't do this doesn't do that but it just makes you feel more complete I would say and friends of mine you know that I've managed to encourage to pick up the leaflet and learn to meditate some of them will never get there you know they're just resisting 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 <laughs> it doesn't solve everything, but my goodness, it makes you better equipped to handle a lot more, a lot more. Thanks, Roz. This has been fascinating. Thank you. Thank you. You've got me 
you've got me really thinking. <laughs> oh, man. It also is really good for one sense of humor meditation. You laugh a lot. <laughs> Okay, that was great. That was really fun, really fun. That's today's pod. Many thanks to Roz Barr for a great conversation and a fantastic laugh. She can be found at rosbar.com. That's R-O-Z-B-A-R-R.com. Speaking of Meditation is written and produced by me, Michael Miller, with direction from Jillian Lavender and assistance from Emma Ray. And speaking of Meditation, when are you next closing your eyes and what's it doing for you? Bye for now.